0: you can it old school
1: Push us, cause we're close to the edge. We're trying not to lose our head. Uh, It's like a jungle sometimes that makes us wonder how we keep going. It's like a jungle sometimes that makes us wonder how we keep going. under. Is that you going under? (laughs) That's me going under. (laughs) Interesting. Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rocket is a podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of potentially life changing advice squeezed into about half an hour. You're drowning. Come on up, brother. <laughs> Why are you drowning over there?
0: Oh man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Holidays are
1: coming up. Oh man. You got any Thanksgiving plans? I do. Um you know, I'm going to be sitting at home by myself, Brandt. I've ordered a meal from Cracker Barrel, and uh, I'm going to watch the Dallas Cowboys. That's what you do when you're alone and you don't have any other plans. You want, you want, you want me to grab a violin over here? <laughs> What's going on? It sounded like you were about to invite me to spend time with Sounds your family. It's like
0: you were begging uh, for. An invite, (laughs) um, rather than sit here and eat your delicious
1: cracker barrel Thanksgiving. Have you tasted their stuffing? (laughs) They're on my list. You know the thoughts that Rock helped support Cannonball Kids Cancer. I know that you know that brand. I think most people who have listened to the show they realize how awesome they are. They are the ones who fight for finding treatment options for kids who basically have been told that they've run out of options. Yep. And if anybody's interested in helping support them, like we do here on the show, check them out at cannibal dot org. Love them. Listen, we know how busy you guys are. It's tough
0: to grab those. Uh, what, what do we want to call them? We want to grab those little uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich type size pieces of advice uh, where we have lines that go all the way down the road <laughs> They're, sure. that, they're that good. So listen, it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. So whether you're waiting in the living room for your teenager to come home, Uh-oh. I don't know. Uh, maybe you are uh, I don't know, watching synchronized ice skating, Jim. Love it. <laughs> of course you do. Or um, I don't know, maybe you're sitting on the toilet trying to just escape your family. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but also awesome. Some of us, it's what we have to do for a little peace and quiet. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Listen, we are about to give you the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Let's rock. Let's
1: do this. Oh, man. Our guest today is my great friend, Keith Overton, who is the president and chief operating officer of Trade Winds Island Resorts in beautiful St. Pete Beach, Florida. Keith, welcome, my friend, to Thoughts That Rock.
2: Thank you for having me, Jim. I appreciate it greatly. Obviously, we go way back, and uh, to be able to talk to you in this context is really cool.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and, Brant, um I, I probably shared with you, Keith and I have known each other, I think, probably, I don't know, 45 years or so, grade school, just childhood friends, and... Uh, you know, we've been wanting to do this for a while since we launched the show, and uh, if you're not familiar, Brent, the resort's made up actually of two properties. So when I say Trade Winds, they're actually talking about Tradewinds Island Grand, but also the Rumfish Beach Resort and Grill, and Keith, you know, he uh, he oversees all of that, all uh, 1,100 employees and runs point on operations and sales and marketing and accounting and HR and, and capital improvement, pretty much anything you could think of. He's got a killer team over there. I've I've had an opportunity to spend some time with them. And, you know, obviously everybody that's listening, Keith, they'll be able to read your entire bio in the show notes. But, you know, I did want to at least point out that you've been doing this in hospitality over 30 years. And I know you joined Tradewinds, I want to say in 1995. Um, But the big thing, Brant, about Keith, he had this huge accomplishment in 2011. He was named Tourism Person of the Year, wow, which is pretty cool. And I know Brant, you were Tourist of the Year. It's a little bit different, yeah, a totally different
2: perspective.
1: <laughs> um, and and obviously Keith, uh, you know, very influential, and he sits on some boards, and especially the uh, the board of directors for the American Hotel and Lodging Association. So, you know, I, I'm I'm going to throw it over to you here in just a moment, but I'm sure Brant's probably thinking in his head, man, does everybody that come out of Kissimmee, Florida, are they all this successful like you and I are? I know oh. that's what you're thinking, right,
0: Brant? <laughs> yeah, that's that was one of the thoughts I had in my <laughs> oh, mind. Oh, did you have another one? I had a few more. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've been to Tradewinds. I've stayed at Tradewinds, and to be honest with you, Tradewinds is where um, myself and Alan Schaefer, the CEO of Banning People Together, yeah, uh, it's where we met for the first time. No way. Yeah, we did a we did a benefit show together with Five Star Iris and Fort Pastor back in the day, and we played uh, uh, along with members of Cheap Trick and Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> no way! And, and we did a big show there right at Tradewinds, and uh, yeah, that's that was uh, the start of our of Alan and I's friendship, and and
1: here we are How all funny. these years later still working together. Do you, Keith, do you remember that show or that event?
2: I I don't remember it, but I'll tell you, Robin Zander lives here locally, and obviously. Uh, we have him play here a lot. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that that went on. That sounds really cool. I wasn't there, but uh, I'm glad we hosted it. He yeah.
0: came He came out playing the cowbell, uh, <laughs> which you can always use more <laughs> of. Right? You know. I mean, it
1: was amazing. We had a blast. Well, and I think I remember the three of us, me, you, and, uh, and Keith, had a sidebar discussion. We went over there and saw our friend Scott Stratton. He yeah. was performing at... Uh, at, at part of your convention space And uh, we had a quick chat and, and a bear hug over there at that time So Absolutely. we've actually all met each other But anyway, Keith, we're yeah. so thrilled that you're here, man And uh, as you can probably tell from our show's format We try and do things a little bit differently We are not doing that traditional interview style Instead, we love to get right to the point Of sharing a great piece of advice So I'm going to leave the floor open to you, my friend What is your Thought That Rocks?
2: Thoughts that rock. Number, Number one. one. Wow, I mean, you know, there's so many of them. But when I when I first got this opportunity, you know, to talk to you guys about it, and of course, the reason I am somewhat successful is because I read all of Jim's writings and <laughs> have him over here to speak to our employees. So I got to throw him some props there. <laughs>
1: I'll take
2: it. Um, you know, I, I always like to say that you know, in hospitality, a lot of companies tend to overcomplicate it. You know, and it's a very simple. Philosophy, and I happen to believe that perseverance trumps everything else. Um, if you're willing, and able, and uh, you have the drive to achieve what you want, this is a great industry for you to be in.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. W- where did that come from? Like, why w- why would you think well, that is your?
2: You know, my background. I started out with Disney and the Ritz-Carlton, and I kind of took a little bit of both of the best worlds there, if you will, and said, how do we take this big corporate conglomeration and take the good things from them and make them work in a somewhat smaller family-oriented property? Although we have 1,100 employees, we're not that small, but we're still small enough that, you know, I can have a relationship with most of our employees. And in the end, what it really boils down to is we can teach anybody to do anything including my job in this business. If you have a reasonable aptitude, it's not that difficult to give somebody the education they need to do the job. The one thing we cannot do is teach them to care. Yeah, You know, that comes with their package. You know, you have to find something in the interview process that leads you to believe that, you know, this person really does want to succeed and uh, they may not have the skills on the resume or they may not have the experience needed to do what we need them to do. But, by God, if I can get them to care, I can get them to do anything else. And yep. that's kind of the simplicity of it all, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree. There was, uh, you know, again, thanks a lot for, for talking about some of my writings. I actually talk about some of the restaurant and hospitality leaders in my book, and some of them you know very well. Cat Cole, who, you know, runs Point on the Focus Brand. She's the group president there. Our good friend Brant, you know Kathleen Wood, she does this at Susie Swirls, and even Nick Cirillo, who I've mentioned before, who runs Nick's uh, Pizza and Pub out of Chicago. The, these three, I highlighted all in the book because they all had several obstacles. You know, so, some of them maybe even deal breakers, but they overcame those because they, they basically got to you know, their, their path of success was, was focusing on their determination. And like you said, perseverance, that maybe they had an issue at some point. Um, maybe they didn't have the right people. Maybe they personally didn't have the skill in a particular area, but that perseverance, that determination really just overcame any obstacle that got in their way. It was that leadership trait that, that trumped everything else. So brand, do you agree with this? I do. Uh, you know, I think that, um,
0: you know, we've we had a, a great conversation several months back with Kyle Smith, uh, the CEO of Nothing Bunt Cakes, who, yep. who said flat out, "You need to hire for attitude and train for skill," uh, because as you just said, Keith, you can't really teach the heart piece, and uh, and that has allowed them to become uh, just uberly successful. Uh, franchise-based organization that um, has one of the best cultures that that, that i've ever experienced um, and i think that that sort of all comes back to again do you can you have the perseverance to continue to push forward when things get rough and uh, if you do uh, then the skill sets can be trained and uh, you know you can always give the out of boys and out of girls to to get the spirits up but you got to be willing to stick it out Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's probably the toughest, the toughest thing. How, how do you, what do you look for Keith in someone, um, to see if they have that level of perseverance? Does it start all the way back in the hiring process for you?
2: You know, it does obviously, um, you know, everybody's doing some sort of profile interviewing and some sort of, um, you know, uh, series of questions that lead you to learn something about the employee that you couldn't otherwise learn through example giving and so forth. And, and obviously, um, you know, how they say it uh, is sometimes as important as what, as what they're saying when they answer the questions. Mm-hmm. But really, in the end, um, what we believe we have to do is narrow down who gets to actually select talent for our company. Um, and that's not, you know, that's with no disrespect to 130 managers that we have in our organization, but we believe we have to invest as much time into how do we pick people as we do into what it is we're looking for in those people, and so we've we've just sort of refined that you know process and gotten it down to fifteen or twenty managers that basically do all the hiring for our entire company, and uh, that doesn't mean that they're not going to the employees potential employees aren't going to get to talk to other managers or you know uh, sit in and have conversations with them to learn about the company, but really in the end. We want this skill-based interviewing process to take place with with a more select group of people, so that we can control that. Um, and and when we find those things that we think will resonate and work in our organization, we try to latch onto that and dig a little deeper. Um, and as you probably know, throughout the entire country and particularly in our industry. By far, the biggest challenge we have right now is finding great workers. Yeah. Um, the unemployment rate is at an all-time low. And for the most part, if you're finding somebody who's a good worker, you're typically stealing them from somebody else. Yeah. So um, it's really important that we you know keep a focus on this. And then when we do get them, we have to keep them happy because we can't afford to lose them at that point. And so the culture that we try to take on here in our organization is centered around fun and excitement, And obviously, compensation and benefits play into it. But we really believe in our culture, if we can get somebody and keep them here for 90 to 120 days, we've got them at that point. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you've even said that it it gets harder in your world. The time that I was lucky enough to spend with you over there when you're a much bigger property like yours is than than probably everybody else around you in a Gulf Coast town, right? the, The market to find the workforce that you need. I'm sure there are some that are only going to be based off of skills. You know, you you can't be lucky enough to get 100%. But every time somebody leaves and you've got to go and replace, however it is that they leave, boy, you wish that you could get somebody who's got the bigger heart, who really does care, that does have that determination, that perseverance that you talk about. And, you know, it's got to be tough. So I'm sure you guys are talking about this every single day.
2: Oh, we are, for sure. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're not a perfect company. We do our fair share of borderline hiring where we're picking people that don't exactly meet what we're looking for. Yeah. And it's by default because, you know, there's not a lot of people behind them knocking the door down to come and work here. Um, and that's true for all of us in this business. And so, we we really believe that if we can find those people to care um, that, that are out there, they're out there. You just got to you got to sift through a lot of folks to get to them. Oh yeah. Um, but if you can hang on to them and get them into the organization, they're going to make the organization stronger. And they and they've demonstrated that with us uh, over the years. We've we've been very successful because of those characteristics and the people we have working here.
0: You know, Keith, when I was working in the commercial collections business, all the uh, sort of Business to business receivables management. um, You know, it's a bit of a burnout business. No matter which side you're on, if you are trying to collect the money from the debtors, it's it's rough. But if you're trying to solicit the bad debt from the clients, it can also get a little bit rough. And so, you know, when we were hiring, uh, looking to hire, we'd we'd have pretty much a training class that would happen once a month because we the turnover was just uh, that that was just the nature of the job. We knew we were going to have to continue to bring people in. And one of the things that I would look for all the time is if anyone had in-home sales experience and how long they were able to stay there. If I found someone with six months to a year worth of in-home sales experience, uh, it told me a lot about their ability to persevere because it's such such a difficult job walking into someone's house and whether they're, you know, selling rainbow vacuum cleaners or they're <laughs> selling uh rain soft yeah. water treatment systems or, you know, w- whatever it is that they're walking in, you knew if they stuck it out for six months to a year in an almost impossible situation that you'd have somebody, if you prevent, if you provided with them a true opportunity uh, for growth in a place that's going to love and respect them, man, you, you might actually find yourself a diamond in the rough.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: I think also going back to what you were saying earlier, Keith, I think the perseverance can also cover up a lot of mistakes, right? If you lack some skills, I think you can come over the top with something if you've got that strong determination. And I think about, you know, the original hard rock waitress, her name's Rita Gilligan. I think she's like 77, 78 now. She. Freely admits when she first joined Hard Rock in 1971 that she wasn't a great server, you know, from a skill standpoint. She just said, you know, I- I'm okay, but I'm not going to be fantastic. However, she, there's no one that would ever be better from a passion, from a commitment, from a perseverance standpoint, from a personality standpoint than she. And she's now become, I think, the role model for an entire generation of hard rockers, you know, that that came after her. And so I, I think at least if you had that, it's not the be all end all, just like the skill set isn't, but jeez, if you had the perseverance that you're talking about, to your point, it'll trump all the you know, the skills and attributes or lack thereof well we love it too i mean it's the it's the american story it's rocky right i
0: mean if rocky came out and won the first in the first movie if he beat apollo creed no one would uh you know have gone to see the other 26 rockies that followed it right (laughs) right it's just we love that story it's
2: it's funny you guys are talking about something that i think is really important for folks to understand about our industry i mean there's this political push out there across the country for this mandated minimum wage. And, uh, Uh, you know, there's this fight to, um, you know, get away from what they're calling slave wages. And to me, that's insulting in our industry because if you look at some of the most successful people in our country, this capitalistic mecca that we live in, most of them, or many of them anyway, started out in hospitality. And, you know, it's not that, you know, this is a career for a lot of people, but it's also a stepping stone and a way to enter the workforce differently than somebody who needs a law degree to practice law or, you know, an aircraft l- a license and a pilot's license to fly a plane and a, and a doctor who needs a medical MD certificate and so forth. You don't need any of that to be successful in our business. You need the desire and the passion to want to learn and to want to be successful in business. And, you know, we have about 1,100 employees, as we mentioned earlier, and about 130-something managers. And the last time I looked at it, uh, we were over 80 people in our management ranks that started out as a line employee in our yeah. organization doing you know some functional job, and they worked their way up into a senior leadership position, not because they had a resume that supported that, but because they demonstrated their desire along the way. And with that, you just keep feeding them information and feeding them things that that, that they can do to help the company get better. And lo and behold, if the company doesn't get better, because they're all working toward a, a common goal, and they're working to better themselves. And so... You know, I, Jim, your example of the seventy-seven-year-old waitress. There are some people that just thrive in a particular role, and we want to, you know, we want to let them flourish. We want to give them the freedom and the autonomy to do what they need to do, and the empowerment to be successful in those roles because that's what they—that's what their passion is. But there's also a place for people to grow, and I think that that's overlooked a lot. Uh, particularly this day and age, you know, hospitality is kind of frowned on that way because wages are a little bit low here, yeah. but the opportunities are endless, really.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm a believer that there has to be something around minimum wage in in some industries, maybe even most industries, but, you know, the, the five for, fight for 15 and all of that, I, I get that. I understand that the only industry that would absolutely destroy would be hospitality. And I think, you know, I don't want to make up a stat, but I think the entire the, the National Restaurant Association, I don't know what the Hotel and Lodging Association will say, but it's something like 65% of all Americans will start out in hospitality. But it's usually their first job to go on to something else, or maybe they make it a career. And to your point, they move up. They're, sure. they're promoted into to other areas. So, um, again, it goes back to the, these people that have the passion, the commitment, the perseverance, the determination they will see it exactly as it is either it is you know i'm moving on to whatever it is i need to do next or i'm going to make this my my focus in my career um you know one sure, thing i did want ready. to mention though yeah. yeah go ahead keith go ahead
2: well i think there's an important part uh, to that as well and that is you know many people in our industry uh you know they work for gratuities and tips yeah. Uh, and so it 's you know they make as much money as they are good, right, and I think that 's oftentimes overlooked it's it 's not that you 're paying them five fifty or six dollars or ten dollars an hour in a in a tip position um, it 's the fact that they can make endless amounts of money based on the performance they provide to the consumer yeah and I think that 's pure capitalism there I think that 's amazing that you know you can provide service and and have fun doing it and take care of people in a in a very profound way. And your compensation is a direct reflection of that. And I love that about our business.
1: Yeah. Same here. Well, one thing I wanted to mention since you had talked about perseverance, I know, um, and Brant, you may not know this, but Keith is actively involved in a lot of charities in the Tampa Bay area, but he founded athletes for hearts he did that in 2007 and and that program you know basically raises money for families with children with life-threatening heart conditions and that was really sparked because of his daughter Mackenzie, who now is the recipient of a heart transplant when she was just 17 days old so Keith you know just maybe to shift gears real quick before we talk about our thought um, you know a little bit more on the personal than the professional side like when you talk about perseverance um, you know talk to me a little bit about athletes for hearts
2: yeah I mean you did a really good job of, of overviewing it there. Um, and it ended up sort of the impetus of it was my daughter having that heart transplant. Um, you know she had it of course when she was 17 days old and she's almost 25 now. so awesome. Um, she may very well be the longest living neonatal heart transplant kid in the country. Wow, but,
1: um, Wow, that's cool. Um,
2: her heart was expected to last about 15 or 16 years and of course, you know she's 10 years beyond that now. and for all intensive purposes, she's doing very well. And I think what happened along the way to tie the parallels together here is um, my daughter expressed a really deep interest in athletics when she was younger, probably because you know I was always out with with her brothers playing baseball and football and stuff, and she became a pretty avid softball player against the better judgment and wishes of her cardiologists and her physicians. Um, you know she was never supposed to be able to live a an athletic life with you know a transplanted heart because of the the circumstances of risk around that and you know I took the, the approach with my daughter that I'm gonna let her reach as far as she wants to reach and you know if she lives a great life and it's shortened because of her extracurricular activities then you know she had a great life and it's meant to be that way and I know a lot of parents might not view that as moral or they might not view that as responsible But, you know, when your daughter is born and you're told she has a 4% chance of living, and then the only hope for her to live is to get a heart transplant, you know, it changes your perspective about what quality of life should be, right? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of allowed her, her mother and I kind of allowed her to do what she wanted to do. And as a result, she became sort of the poster child and the inspiration to a lot of other families who are out there and athletes uh, around the community here in Tampa Bay and even nationwide you know, stepped up to help us. And we've been raising money, um, for since 07, we've raised well over a million dollars. It goes directly to these families. It's a really simple process. If a kid's in the hospital, the social worker just has to fill out a form and send it to us and we'll process them a payment that day. Um, nice. it, we don't go through bureaucracy. We have no paid staff uh, and it's really kind of our way, and, and Mackenzie is a very important part of that. I mean, she runs our events. She does a lot. She's the face of the organization. Um, we have Michelle Smith, who serves on our board, who's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, Mike Allstadt, Dave Moore. I mean, I could rattle off, you know, athlete after athlete here. That supports us. We have a lot of rock guys, I and mean, we've got the Saving Able Band. You know, we've got the a board member of ours is Scott Bartlett, who founded that band. So we have a lot of support and in the end, it's just our our way of kind of saying, you know what, your your child can be okay. You just have to know that, and we're going to help you get over the financial hump uh, and give you the opportunity to let your kid flourish to that person's to the kid's potential, whatever that may be. Yeah. So that's kind of how it all came to be.
1: Well, I love it, man. And and like I said, I just wanted to put a, a spotlight real quick on Athletes for Hearts. I mean, that's great to hear. And we're thrilled uh, on McKenzie's uh, trajectory. And, you know, again, we do a lot of philanthropic stuff on the show. And actually, we support a, a childhood cancer organization that's here. And, and a lot of our fans do probably already know that but you know kudos to you and again it just goes back to that uh, you know perseverance and uh here it is you know a perfect example in your personal life not just professional but you know maybe to tie it into what our thought is and hopefully this is a great uh, corresponding thought to yours keith brant what is our thought that rocks
2: that rock number two
0: So our thought this week comes from Peter Drucker, a famous business consultant, the Drucker Award, uh, Wikipedia him if you are unfamiliar with Mr. Drucker. But uh, our thought is this, what you have to do and the way you have to do it is incredibly simple. Whether you are willing to do it, that's another matter. Mm -hmm. And I think that that... um, is is a great sort of expansion on your original thought keith is that oftentimes you know the solution to the problem of of what's needed to be done and the way it needs to be done is is very clear uh the clarity is there the the process is there whatever that might be but whether or not people are willing to do it uh, is a whole other matter and that's the same sort of thing we're just talking about with people sort of entering the workforce in the hospitality industry it's it's you know, this is sort of the way it is. It, it This is how it goes. This is the job to be done. And here's the money that you're going to make. And if you're willing to do that, uh, then fantastic. You have a shot to, to earn your way and prove yourself and hopefully have some upward mobility that now you've got 80 plus people in your organization who started, uh, by saying, yes, I'm willing to do it. And here they are all these years later, um, in a, in a senior leadership role, um, basically being able to see the people who are now walking in sort of in their shoes and saying, I've been there, I've done that, look where I am now, and this is what's uh, the potential for you as well, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great thought. I, I actually love that thought. I mean, I, I can tell you, you know, you, you can as well, guys. I mean, there are so there's hundreds of thousands of examples in our own lives of people that have done that, and I think that is, uh, is right on point.
1: I think when we, you were first thinking about this uh, this thought, Brant, and I was mulling it over, because when you're talking about the whether you're willing to do it, it goes right back to Keith's perseverance, right? I only knew, I, mean, I, I like a lot of Peter Drucker stuff, but yeah. the one that sticks out is obviously his his famous quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. And I know that's overused. I actually used it sure. in the start of my book as well, because, you know, he's right. He's a smart guy, that Drucker. But, but the point was, I think, in this first part, you know, the, the what you have to do and the way you have to do it, that that what and the how those specific practical steps you, you can teach and learn. And yeah. it goes right back to what Keith was saying, the choice, the desire, the willingness, the determination that, you know, that trait, I guess you get early on from, I don't know, your parents and school and your friends and religion and lack of religion in the playground or whatever. By the time they come to you as an employee, right, you, you can teach them a lot of those practical steps, but that, that determination, you know, you you either have the will or you don't, and, and maybe it'll cover up. I'm going all the way back to just thinking about the skills and the attributes again. I I think it'll cover some of that stuff up, but geez, don't you feel like you almost have to have the DNA, the juice running through your veins by the time they get to you as a team member.
2: It's definitely learned at an early age. And I, and I think society is, is as much to blame as maybe parents today. I think we're seeing you know, much more entitlement, um, you know, some of it's not all bad um, because obviously, you know this day and age where the workforce is becoming more flexible and the flex schedule is there and you can work from home, and you know there's a ton of there's a ton of ways that income can be earned today that are really not in a traditional workplace. and I totally respect that. I really do. But I think the single biggest uh, challenge that our industry is facing today is this entitlement and um, a sense of apathy where, you know, I, that doesn't apply to me. You mean I have to do that? I mean, I can remember when I started out in this industry. I had a, a four year college degree, and I was working toward my master's degree. And I was a supervisor in housekeeping, you know, <laughs> making whatever it was back then—probably eight bucks an hour or something. And I ruined—I don't know how many ties, dunking them in the toilet, cleaning up, you know, <laughs> bathrooms. Oh no, my god! And I said to myself, "This is what I signed up for." But I knew I had to prove myself in that organization that no matter what the task was, I had to do it better than everybody else, and I had to demonstrate my desire to be successful in order to get to a place in time where I could actually use some of those skills that I learned in school. Yeah. And you know, everybody has their own path. It's a little different for each person, but I think you have to put your ego aside you have to be willing to do virtually anything, you know, short of being illegal, unethical, or immoral. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes to demonstrate your value to that organization. And I just don't think society, and to some degree I don't think parenting today, has done a very good job of instilling those values in our youth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a result, I, I, it's going to be very difficult for us to break through this uh, going forward because, there's, you know, what are they going to do to their children and so on and so forth? You know, where does it stop?
0: Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's deeply rooted. I, I look at it and, and, you know, things like perseverance, um, uh, discipline, that sort of thing that, that comes from defining the things in your life that matter most, those values that you can hold on to and use, uh, uh, when, when things get hard, you know, you turn to them and you say, well, here are the things that matter most to me. I can overlook these other 50 that are important, but, but these four or five are the, are the ones that, um, make up who I am I mean they are the very fabric of my soul and and I look at this and even with with Drucker's thought you know I look at it and say what you have to do and the way you have to do it is incredibly simple um this is anyone who's ever said I need to lose some weight right (laughs) I'm like what it's it's really simple if you want to lose weight Eat less, move more, right? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. But whether or not yeah. people are willing to do it, that's a whole other question, right? And 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 it and it becomes how? How do you um, stay committed? To something, even when it's simple, when you know exactly what you need to do, how do you build that perseverance? And, and for me personally, that's, it's why it's so important. It's what I talk about on stage. uh, Every time I go out is, is you have to define these things in your life that matter most because, you know, when the shit hits the fan someday. What are you going to hold on to? What, what is it that's going to yep. say I can stand firm and persevere this scenario? Because if you're winging it, um, perseverance is hard to come by when you're winging it. <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that's right on point. I will tell you this: uh, if I can steal a, a Stephen Covey quote, you know, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you know what you want to get you'll figure out how to get there. You know, you, it's like flying a plane. You know, you're going to develop a flight plan and you're not going to get there exactly the way you drew that plan up. But if you stick with it and you're persevering, you're going to get there. It's just going to be a little different than you thought along the way. And I think you have to be flexible and willing to the point of your quote earlier, the willingness to do anything and everything it takes to be successful is what's missing today in the biggest part of our workforce, I believe. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I don't know how you teach it. Um, I'm certainly not an expert at that, or we'd have a, you know 1,100 employees that got it. But uh, there's got to be a solution for it out there, and we have to focus on it. I believe.
1: We, you know, we had our friend Kathleen Wood. I just mentioned her earlier. She runs a, a frozen dessert concept out of Chicago, and one of the things she said is exactly that same sort of recognition that you're seeing, which is. You know, if, if kids aren't getting it today, I'm saying the kids today, you know, this Generation Z, the teenagers that are starting to take over these frontline positions, they probably aren't going to have a lot of these skills. And she said, I already recognize they don't know how to count money. They don't know how to look people in the eye. They don't even know how to use a mop, you know, basic fundamental stuff that we were all taught. Right. So you can either, you know, poo poo it and say, I'm not going to hire these people. And you can and wait for the next great one to come in or you can decide to say, you know, their first job is going to be the right job, and I'm going to have to go out of my way to actually teach them life skills in addition to how to actually do the job. And I know – I guess I'm bringing up the point that you're training at Trade wins. I know it's very detailed. You guys are great at that, but you go back to the Drucker quote. It actually is simple to teach the how and the what, right? For them to decide to say, "I choose to be hospitable. I'm going to get the guests to fall madly in love with this resort, with your brand, with you know the Gulf Coast beaches, you know St. Pete Beach, like all of that stuff. Somehow, some way, they've got to have that somewhere in their core values. It's got to be innate to them, or they're climbing uphill to just always do what the boss told them to do. And that's, that's not yeah. enough, you know? Yeah.
2: No, it's not. And I think it starts with the primary premise of that, in my view, uh, having done this for a long, long time, I believe it starts with fear uh fear of the unknown, fear of getting in trouble, fear you know, it, it stems from wherever. If you know maybe you work somewhere and if you went over you went above and beyond and you went outside of the scope of the, the job duties, you got in trouble for it. Or or maybe um circumstantially, you know, you, it was uncharted territory for you and you were timid to do that. I think in a in a really successful culture, you have to not only allow, but you have to encourage people to fail if they don't take chances and they don't step outside of their comfort zone and they're not empowered to do the right thing, and and it's really simple in my view, you know, there's not a a do this for that. That's never how it works in our industry. You have to have a really good set of listening skills, and you then have to ask yourself, if I were that person and I were in that situation, what would I want to make me go, holy shit, that was the best experience I've ever had in my life. And if you can just do that, Nine out of ten times you 're going to win the consumer over, yeah, and but companies today don 't focus on that because that 's outside of the job scope, and it 's as simple as our property you know jim it 's a huge property, you know, and I always tell our employees when somebody 's standing at that property map, you don 't have to go ask them what they need, you already know what they need, go go ask them where they 're going and walk them there, yeah, and yes, if you 're a culinarian you 're going to leave your kitchen for five minutes. I get that. That's what we call teamwork. They're going to pick you up and cover that line while you're gone. But it's far more important that that chef gets that person where they're going across the property than it is him to point in a direction that's no man's land. And, you know, we're 50-50 going to get that customer there. It's the simple things like that that make organizations successful. But people are afraid because the culture has trained them to, you know, you don't do it that way. You know, you stick to your job and that's it. And I I think we've got big issues there that we have to work around.
1: Well, you're doing it, brother. And, uh, you know, again, I've seen it firsthand. I I would have known that anyway, knowing what your background is and us knowing us, knowing each other for as long as we have. But I've had a chance to go over there and look underneath the grill, and your people are fantastic. And, you know, I'm sure every once in a while you go, well, that was a miss. But for the most part, you get people that are completely committed to this perseverance that you talk about. And uh, I, I just think you're you're awesome, man. Your your property is fantastic. What um I know you guys keep buying properties over there. What what's your next project? Do you have something uh that you guys are working on?
2: Well, not you know, not really. I mean, um we've got a couple resorts that we're looking at, Uh, you know, our restaurant chain, Rumfish Grill is doing very well. Yeah. We've got one in the Tampa airport, one in Amelie arena, one new one in the Raymond James uh, football stadium. Um, And, you know, we're looking to grow those opportunities, but, but really what we're really afraid of right now is growing too fast because we want to make sure that we've got everything working, you know, on all cylinders and we've maximized, you know, the densities that we have on the existing properties today So, um, you know, this has been a gut check couple years for us. The economy has been going very well. Uh, We don't we don't see it slowing down anytime soon. There's no signs for us anyway that would suggest that. That's nice. Something extraneous happens around the world. But right now we're kind of saying let's just for a moment here go back to the basics get everything in order before we go forward too fast. So that's yeah. kind of our approach right now to things.
1: Cool. Okay. What about, I'm sure everybody can go check out uh, the website. You know, if people are interested in Trade Winds Island Resorts and, you know, you can go online and, and take a peek, but where can people maybe stay connected to you and, and some of the things you're working on?
2: Well, obviously, you know, social media is huge for our industry today. So, you know, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. We do a lot of video. We have a lot of media out there. And honestly, you know, our, our the biggest way for us to stay in touch with, with our following is to let them participate. So, you know, we have all kinds of contests and we want our users to be involved and, and to do, you know, picture contests and photos and Um, You know, obviously we're a huge family-friendly resort here, and so the kids are a big part of that. We really want them to be interactive. So, you know, follow us on Facebook. We've got a lot of huge events. We do uh, a Bucks Bash weekend every year with with the Buccaneers. We're the official beach resort of that. We have some alumni come out. We have some great acts. We had Billy Ray Cyrus and Parmalee recently. We've got our St. Pete Beach Bike Fest coming up the weekend before Thanksgiving. We've got a huge lineup for that, Jim. You'll, You'll greatly appreciate it. We've got uh, Saliva, Tantric, we've got Fuel, Soul Asylum, the Charlie Daniels Band, Brett Michaels, um, the list goes on and on. And so, you know, if you're a motorcycle enthusiast or you love beach concerts, that'd be a great event for you to hang out with us. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at stpbeachbikefest.com.
1: Awesome, and we'll make sure we get all that information again in the show notes for people that are doing a little follow up. But, brother, I can't thank you enough. First off, for just being on the show, but just knowing you for as long as we have, and uh, just watching your your long and winding road has been fantastic. So, we really appreciate it, buddy. Just a little that. bit. Of time. I
2: appreciate you guys, and I appreciate I appreciate all the support you've given to us here. Uh, you know what what you've done with your career and how you've uh, been successful in hospitality is is a lesson that we all can learn from. And uh, each and every time I listen to you or read some of your writings, I feel like I pick up something different along the way. And uh, I love, you know, hearing your new thoughts and, and ideas as well, because it really does help us reinvent who we are as people. And, you know, it takes friends like you for everybody to be successful. Man, I appreciate
1: you. It's a mutual love affair over here. Brant, can you step away for a moment um, while we bear um, hug? I'm, I'm looking from for a, a distance, <laughs> looking for a back. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, listen. Thank you so much for that, and uh, we love you, and we'll keep an eye on you. And uh, congratulations.
2: All right. See, see you guys later. Appreciate we'll talk to your time. you
1: soon. You got it. Rock on.